Blog Talk Radio.
And welcome to Reality in Christ Worship and Words here on True Radio Presents. I'm your host, Reverend Thomas Dwayne Smith. And we're just excited for another day of lifting up the name of the Lord. He's talked about things that are encouraging. But first, I'm going to play some worship. Starting with my favorite song, Alabaster Box. And heal my soul 
Don't be angry if I wash his feet with my tears and dry them.
Radio Network. And 
I'm going to open up with a word of prayer. And I'm going to get right into the message because it's going to be a short show today. Dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we give you glory, honor, and praise. Father, we thank you for another opportunity to host this broadcast of Worship and Word Radio here on True Radio Presents. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for your love, your grace, and your mercy, for your peace that passes all understanding. And I lift my friend up to you right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God that this message today will be a comfort and edifying to her spirit. In the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. The message today, I'm taking it from... Another individual who I consider a mentor to me. He's been in ministry for over 40 years, four decades, probably closer to 50 now. His name is Andrew Womack. The message today is going to be anger management. And I'm reading from his notes, and I'll add my own you know, little commentary. Have you ever been mad at God? Certainly everyone has had anger rise up against a person, and there are a lot of people who are angry with themselves. Anger is a problem all of us have to deal with. Many people come from backgrounds where strife was just normal. Our culture is so full of envy and strife that it that it's become part of life. We don't realize how deadly it is, but realize it or not, strife will kill you. Listen to what James had to say about envy and strife. For where every envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. James 3.16 Think about what this verse is saying for a moment. Envy and strife bring every evil work. That is quite a revelation. You could be giving tithes and offerings and trusting God in the area of your finances, but if you are living in strife, you are opening the door to poverty. You could try you could be trying to take care of your body and meditating on healing scriptures. Yet envy and strife will negate all of that and bring sickness and disease. No one who is trusting God for victory in any area of their life can ignore dealing with anger and expect to succeed. It's that important. Doesn't mean we are supposed to be emotionalist or totally passive people. There is a proper use of anger. If we don't understand this and try to completely do away with anger, we will not succeed and we will become passive in a way that allows Satan to run over us. There is a godly purpose for anger, godly anger. 
Think of this. Every person on the planet has a temper. Why do you think that is? Do you think the devil created anger? No way. Satan never created anything. He doesn't have the power to create. All he does is pervert the godly things God created. It is God who gave us the capacity to get angry. Anger has a godly function, but with most of us, it has, it's been perverted. We don't need to get delivered of a temper. We need to learn how to manage the anger and direct it the way God intended, not toward people, but toward the devil and evil. There is a well-known passage of scripture that talks about a positive use of anger. Yet this passage is most often interpreted in a way that loses the true intent of what Paul was saying. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. This is usually interpreted as God knows you are only human and you will sometimes get angry. That just happens. But it doesn't become sin unless you let it persist. So make sure you confess and forsake your anger every night before you go to bed. There is no doubt that getting over anger quickly has great benefit. Confessing and forsaking anger before you go to bed every night is a good thing to do. But that is not what this verse is teaching. It is nearly the opposite. Paul is saying there is a godly anger that is not sin. God gives us the, gives us a command to get angry with a righteous anger. Then he says, Let not the sun go down on your wrath. What happens when the sun goes down? Typically, we stop working. The day winds down and we rest and go to sleep. Paul is saying, don't let the godly anger ever stop working. Keep it awake. Stir it up and keep it active. Then verse 27 continues, neither give place to the devil. If we don't keep a godly anger active within us. We are giving place to the devil. What a revelation. There is a righteous use of anger. Not understand this has rendered many Christians so passive they don't get mad at the evil in this world. Therefore, Satan is having a free shot at everything we hold dear and holy. Our society is under attack. And our righteous anger that God has given us as a weapon is kept in a sheath and not used. That needs to change. Look at what the word of God has to say about a right use of anger. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. 9710, Psalm 97.10. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy. In the evil way and the flower mouth do I hate. Proverbs 8.13. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Psalms 111, verse 10. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 1.7. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Romans 12.9. These are just but a few of the scriptures that spark a righteous use of hate and anger. Look again at Proverbs 8.13. Pride and arrogance in the evil way, in a froward, literally perverse mouth do I hate. Do we really hate these things? We should. But Christians as a whole do not hate evil. We don't like evil, but few would argue that we literally hate these things. Some Christians don't believe that we are supposed to hate anything, but that's not what God, Jesus, was sending but he had hate and anger. In John 2, 14 through 17, which took place at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, and then in Mark 11, 15 through 17, which took place the last week of Jesus' earthly ministry, Jesus drove the money changers out of the temple. He didn't approach them meekly and say, guys, I'm sorry. I don't want to hurt any of you, but I have to do this to obey my thoughts. No, he made a whip and beat the people and animals and turned over their table. He was mad. Where were the temple guards? I'm sure they were there, but Jesus was in a holy rage that paralyzed them from action. It's certain that Jesus never sinned, but it's but it's also certain that he got very angry to the point of action. Therefore, there is a righteous anger. We need to discover the righteous use of anger and channel all our aggressions in the proper way. So then, so there's a right place for anger, but what about the wrong use of anger? All of us have to deal with getting mad at people. How do we overcome our unforgiveness and anger Towards people. Ungodly anger. Have you ever prayed that the Lord would remove someone from your life who makes you angry? Have you ever prayed that your circumstances would change so that you would be delivered from those things that make you mad? If you have, you are not alone. But it's not what others do to you that makes you angry. You you will never be able to remove all aggravating things and people from your path. That's unrealistic. Satan has more than enough people under his control to keep an endless parade of annoying people coming across your path. You can't always change circumstances, and you don't have the authority to change others. But you can change what's on the inside of you that makes you, that's right, our anger comes from the inside, not the outside. I know most people don't like that. At first, it was comforting to think that it's what someone else did that make you, make you angry, but that's not true. If whatever, if what other people do makes you angry, then you will always be angry because there will always be someone that treats you wrong, that makes you a victim and not a victor. Accepting responsibility for your ungodly anger puts you in the driver's seat 
you only have you only have total authority over yourself. You are not the only one. You are the only one that you can really change. If you are trying to remove all the people and things that make you mad from your past, you will never win. But if you deal with the things inside you that cause your anger, you will never lose regardless of what others do. That's the example that Jesus gave us. He was able to look at the very ones who crucified and mocked him and say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Luke 23, verse 34. Jesus not only suffered more than any of us ever have, he suffered more unjustly than we ever have. As God, he could have come off the cross at any time and wiped all of his accusers out. Yet he humbled himself and even forgave his, some people think, well, that was Jesus. I'm certainly not Jesus. But Jesus wasn't the only one who forgave those who wronged him. Stephen acted just like Jesus in Acts 760. As he was being stoned to death, he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Paul commanded us to do the same thing in Ephesians 4.32. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Not only are we supposed to resist anger, but we are commanded to forgive those who trespass against us. We can't control others, but we can control what's inside of us that makes us angry. The key is found in Proverbs 13.10. Only by pride cometh contention. It's not what others do to us that makes us angry. It's the pride inside of us that causes us to get mad. I know that's not what most people believe, but that's what God's word says. The verses doesn't say that pride is one of the major reasons for anger. It's the only reason. What a statement. I ministered in the Pueblo, Colorado. I ministered this in Pueblo, Colorado many years ago, and a man came up to me after the meeting and said, I got a lot of problems, but pride isn't one of them. If anything, I have such low self-esteem that I hate myself, yet I have a lot of anger. I just don't understand how my pride is the source of my anger. What this man was missing was a proper definition of pride. Many people think of pride only as arrogance, but that's only one manifestation of pride. Timidity, timidity and shyness are extreme manifestation of pride. Pride at its core is simply self-centeredness or selfishness. Timid and shy people are extremely self-centered people. I know this to be true because I was an introvert. I couldn't look at people in the face and talk to them. I was so consumed with me that I was always thinking, what are they going to think of me? Am I going to make a mistake and look foolish? That self-centeredness made me shy. And, folks, let me remind you, I am reading from the notes of uh, 
Pastor Andrew Walmack, he ministered this message. So if you have a testimony about what the Lord has done for you that could help someone, yet you would be timid about getting on radio and television and sharing it because everyone would be looking at you, then you have some pride issues that haven't been settled. You may not be called to broadcast on radio or television the way I am, but we are all called to be ready to always give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. First Peter three fifteen. So pride is not only thinking that we are better than others. Pride can be thinking we are worse than others or just being self-conscious. It doesn't matter if self is always exalting itself or if it's debasing itself. It is all self-centeredness, which is pride. Like it or not, understand it or not, pride is the source of all of our anger. As we deal with our own self-love, anger towards others will be this peace. The only reason we are easily offended is because we love ourselves so much. As we die to ourselves, we will be able to love others the way Jesus did. I have a lot more to share on this than what I was able to put into this article. I have a teaching entitled Anger Management. This is a three-part album that deals with truth. I have never heard anyone else teach. I'm sure others teach this, but it's certainly not common. The first teaching entitled Godly Anger will show you the proper use of anger. This is necessary in resisting Satan and his evil. The second teaching entitled Ungodly Anger's Source will explain how self-esteem is the root of all our ungodly anger. This is a must for anyone who struggles with the temper, all of us. The third teaching in is entitled Anger Toward God, Others, and Self. You know, I love Andrew Womack because he puts it, his teachings are simple, straightforward, and easy to understand. And to break it down in such a way, And to put it in a certain way, anger comes from pride. I am on my show. No, no, that wasn't that wasn't directed towards you. It was directed towards the person that made the loud comment there. <laughs> oh, she did it on purpose. She's a goofball. She's a goofball. Sorry, folks. She's a goofball. I'm teasing the goofball back here. You're being loud, and it's broadcasting to a whole bunch of people. Why are you cussing Shantara? Because I'm playing with you.
I'm playing with this, but if you want to get like that, I won't play. Sorry, folks. Sorry, folks. It's okay. Back to my back to my message on anger. <laughs> you gotta you gotta love it. <laughs> anyway, where was I? Uh, but we have to remember and understand that. Like when we are quick to get angry, it's not because of what other people have done to us. It's because of what we hold inside ourselves. And I can speak, I can speak to that from a personal level because when people would yell with me, I would get offended quickly, you know. And the thing of it is, there are things that we're supposed to get angry at. And those things are evil. Things that are done to children, stuff like that. Anger is an emotion that was given from God. That's not something that the devil created, even though people might think that's the case. And that's one of the lessons that I've had to learn in that there are two types of anger. When you get mad at people, that's when your anger is focused in the wrong direction. Because at the end of the day, our battle is not with flesh and blood. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. We have to remember that. That when we focus our anger towards people, (laughs) Satan won. Because that's what he wants. Because when we're fighting with each other, it keeps our focus and the real our godly anger, which should be directed towards him and the things that he does. And that's what it boils down to. Because we are commanded to treat people with loving kindness and respect. So how do we do that? We cannot continue to allow things to affect us, to allow things that people do to cause us to just cause us to be, oh, my goodness. It just causes us to be crazy. What else can you say? It causes us to become something that God never intended us to be. And that's what it is at the end of the day. Even in any situation, like just what happened, you got to make the best of a situation, and you play with people. When, see, classic example of what just happened, and see, that's how Satan works. I'm broadcasting my show. Someone comes talking loud. I didn't get upset with them, but they thought, I was offended, so they got offended when I was playing. That's how you diffuse a situation. See, she didn't she didn't know I was on my show. And but at the end of the day that's what happened. Satan will try, but he can't. Why? Because we have the victory in Christ Jesus. 
and I'm speaking this message specifically to an individual, and you know who you are. You have the victory. Satan will use those people closest to you, your own family members. That's his tactic, and that's what he's out to do. But at the end of the day, we know where the truth and our victory, our victory is in Christ Jesus. Revelations 12:11 says that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. You have a testimony. You are growing in Christ. That's all you can do. That's what you can do. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we give you glory, honor, and praise. Father God, thank you for this message, and I pray that that it's encouraging. Father, I know that this situation that has unfolded is really pressing, and I lift up my friend to you in the name of Jesus. Place her as the your throne, Father. And I thank you that you are able to that you're able to comfort, that you're able to uh, uplift her. Father, we say we love you. And we bless you for all that you do. In the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And I, once again, I apologize for, for the um, interruption there. But it happened. They didn't know I was on the show. So um, tune in next week for another episode of Reality in Christ, Worship and Word, here on True Radio Presents. Thank you and good night.